Welcome to the Hot Stove Society Show on Cairo Radio. Thank you for joining us here today. We're excited to be here. Uh, no studio audience today, so it might be a little quieter than normal. But Chef, can you uh, can you clap? Yeah! For us? <laughs> My name is Tom Douglas, chef owner of a few joints here around Seattle, including Seatown Restaurant, the north end of the Pike Place Market area. Uh, of course, um, Carlisle Room is now open across from the Paramount Theater. Yeehaw! Yeehaw! And uh, da- Lola is open right downstairs here. That's right. Beautiful hotel, Andre. That's where we have our Hot Stove Society's cooking school, which is going fast and furious. i got to say, people are hungry for some adventures. Yeah. Especially, uh, we're finding... Lots of uh, lots of people are enjoying our come and make and take classes sure. where you can actually, uh, like we had a soup class uh, a couple of weeks ago where you we made three or four different kinds of soup, but you got to take home a quarter of it. Oh, well, that's totally cool. So, and super fun. People had a ball, and it sold out so fast. Uh, we hadn't really done that before, so we're going to have a few more of those make and takes. What else is going on? I'm joined by the irascible... Irascible. Oh, Irascible. That's a compliment. Is that yeah. a compliment? Yes. Okay, sure. good. Terry Rotiro, the chef in a hat here. <laughs> that's who he's talking about. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. It's better and, than uh, calling, being called a rascal, I and think. And by the way, for the Facebook viewer who can see you, that's one thing. But for those who can't see Tom Douglas right now, he's got this major haircut for the first time in 21 years, and I know him. <laughs> They really went at it this time. They cut down your hair. It's locks of love, baby. That's, like uh, Samsung. Yeah. You're not going to have the strength anymore. What's going on here? I don't know. But um, I, I hope I continue with my strength, you know, because I have a workout. <laughs> Matter of fact, my, my uh, personal trainer. I have a personal trainer. Well, I'm you need le- a lot to keep this body in, in, Is the, it? in line. <laughs> but uh, anyway, she left. It's always like you, th- you mark your calendar on the good days and the bad days, and when she goes on a trip somewhere and I don't have to get up at 6 a.m. to go work out, those are good days. <laughs> Is she out of town right now? Yeah, she's out oh, of town. Oh, good for you. Adios, Leslie. <laughs> uh, we have a big show today. Peak of the season, ruby red grapefruit. Man, I've been eating a few of those lately, and they are <laughs> so good. Uh, I have to make amends for my trashing of the $9 grapefruit that i had last week i found out more history about it and uh we'll oh. go on for that tasting panel today uh you know we have a new taco spice out in our rub with love line and it's it's uh really bright and cheery i love it but i hadn't tried the, the other spices in the marketplace and are the recipe on our jar all of our jars have a recipe of course they're sure. usable for anything like i used my taco rub on swiss chard the other day right. it was bright cheery add a little bit of uh, lemon essence to it but Anyway, um, we're gonna, we just thought we would try, since there's so many in the marketplace out there, we thought we'd try and, you know, maybe we could pick one for beef or one what works best with chicken or, you know. Well, I'm discovering what, always with you, Mr. Douglas. I know you will never buy one of these. No, 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 okay. no. I'm discovering knife with you. Knife care for the good mints. Uh, I'm the worst knife sharpener in the world. So, Chef, you're going to have to take on this conversation. Okay. Our favorite ways to serve rabbit. Seems a little early. That seems like an Easter dish to me. And Villa Gerada. A, a product line, another yes. spice line with uh, flavors of Morocco. And, yeah, we have many here. He's going to tell us about Villa Gerada. So. As usual, we're going to finish up the two-hour show with our Rub With Love Food for Thought Tasty Trivia Challenge. And uh, we might have to bring Annie Elmore in. from staying to play. Who is? Our guest from Villa Gerada. Oh, oh Medi. Okay, okay, cool. That's good. Okay, I'm going to jump right into my taste of the week because 
I went down to f- visit our old friend, Harry Yoshimura, oh, yeah. at Mutual Fish on Rainier Avenue, uh-huh. which forever has been my favorite fish store in Seattle. Right. I don't get down there as much as I used to, uh, and you don't get there as much because no. you're, not, you're not buying for your restaurants anymore. Right. Um, but what a treat to walk into Mutual Fish. If you've never been, you've got to go. It's just like a little adventure. Lots of, lots of fun things. A great fish lineup in their case. Yeah, beautiful ahi. And great service, too. I mean, they... Terrific they, service. You know, they fillet your fish. They do all the stuff Clean you need crabs, to do. You know, like a good butcher. Yeah, exactly. So I, I love supporting those individual shops. Don and Joe's in the Pike Place right. Market. You know, Mutual Fish. Anyway, saw Harry Yoshimura and his son, Kevin. Uh, they are second and third generation of running that business. Yep. Lisa's there. But I saw the Kasukad, and it reminded me so much of my opening days at Cafe Sport when I put that Kasukad on my menu... And nobody bought it. And it ended up in staff <laughs> meal all the time because you know, I didn't I want to throw it away. But I love smiling. I love the dish. And it's become very popular over the years. Of course. Uh, some people call it miso cod. It's really kasu because it's the sediment from sake tanks that right. it's marinated in. And so I made it for my family for dinner uh, this last week. And I did some black bean, spicy black bean shiitake mushrooms as a garnish because the kasu is a little bit sweet. And then the, the spicy mushroom garnish sure. on top was really a nice combination. So that's my taste of the week. Get out there. Go to Mutual. Buy some of their house-made kasu cod because it's on three to five-pound black cod, which are the fattiest of the black cod. So right. when you cook it, you barely can overcook it. You just It's hard. Right. You just can't really overcook it. It's so nicely cured and moist and lovely and fatty and delicious. Put that on the plate, put it in the oven, and be done. Well, yeah. You want to get a little sear on it. I like yeah. getting it caramelized a little bit. So. Uh, so that's my taste of the week. How about you, Chef? Well, my taste of the week was I went to Cafe Juanita with a couple of friends of ours. We went to um, the Thanks for the invite, Chef. No problem. And, no, no, it, I was yeah, invited. we would have liked to go yeah, to Cafe I actually been, was invited. That so, was, would have been nice. But it was so nice it's to so uh, nice. revisit. I haven't been to Cafe Juanita in quite some time. So that's Chef Holly Smith. Chef Holly Smith. And she's doing, you know, since the COVID and everything, she's reopened with a set menu, um, a menu omnivore a menu of pescatorian, a vegetarian, and a vegan. So four different menus plus um. a page of supplements like sealed foie gras, whatever you want to add to your menu in case you're that hungry or you want to trade. Um, beautiful wine list. She has a sommelier, Alexandra, who used to be a long time ago at Campine. I mean, the whole thing was a really nice dining experience. It really very much reminded me of a restaurant kind of like Rover's kind of idea, which I think... Holly has grown into that in terms of, um, you know, she, matured, she, she has grown into that. It, she started with a la carte and different things. Mm-hmm. And, and I told her the only thing I was missing was the rabbit. I'm so, I was there <laughs> salivating, thinking of my rabbit with Papardelle I've had a few times when I was there. Mm-hmm. That's not on the menu right now, obviously. And um, that just wasn't on the menu. But it's one dish that I always enjoyed there. Um, but anyway, I would recommend for a special dining experience to really go try Cafe Juanita. It, All right, so that's a taste of the restaurant, but what was your one great the taste? The first that course really was stood out a, to you that night. Uh, I'm going to try to remember how you said that in um, well, Italian. Italian, it's a seafood salad, so uh-huh. it's called, uh, I can't remember the name of it in Italian, but anyway, it, was, it had octopus, it had scallops, um, shrimp, and a beautiful, almost like a chimichurri underneath that was really, really delicate and beautiful. It was... And they were just blanched or poached? Yeah. Yeah. And a sous vide does a scallop. And, you know, it was really, really delicate and beautiful 
first course of a nice starter. Oh, no, it was a uh, squid ink dressing. That's what it was underneath. And that was really totally delicious. I know it's not cool, but I'm not a squid ink person. Well, no, it, it's, it's, it's nothing to do it's with tragically cool. tragically hip. Yeah, it is. I think it needs to be done correctly. Okay, and we I don't have think, time. I think if it is, we don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have time to convince it's me. It's time for Peak of the Season, Ruby Red Grapefruit, right here on the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Time for peak of the season, Ruby Red Grapefruit, right here at the Hot Stove Society Show at the Hotel Andre at downtown Seattle, 4th and uh, Virginia. If you haven't been here since the remodel, you should really check it out. It's super fun. Gorgeous. Nice place to have a staycation. Come down, support some downtown businesses. We're still here. The lights you're are the still, ones that aren't. The lights, yeah, the lights are still on, but you're not here. Yeah, let's, uh, let's talk grapefruit. Last week I mentioned the $9 grapefruit that I bought at Wajamaya. And uh, I talked to the owner owner of Wajamaya uh, over the week. We, we were friends, and we were just chatting. I said, by the way, I bought a $9 grapefruit from you that was uh, completely inedible. Now, it was a huge grapefruit, and it was in a nice little bag, and it's intended as kind of a New Year's gift right, right. when you go to someone's house. She says, what do you mean it's inedible? I said, well... It was the the fruit inside was like dry and hard, you know, hard, blah, blah, blah. She says, you don't eat the fruit. What? <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> it's, it's all about the peel. and The, the peel. It, it's all about the it's peel. It's about a peel. And I had read online where you make a tea out of the peel or you put it into a bath or a shower or something like that. And she just, I could hear her she on the phone. She just laughed with, at you I going. I could hear her on the phone, her eyes rolling in the back of her head. And just thinking about what an idiot that's trying to eat this grapefruit and when it's all about the peel. And I said, so that means I should go home and get the peel out of my compost bin? <laughs> you, put a nine, you put a $9 peel in I the know. garbage? <laughs> so anyway, Tomo, thank you for setting me straight. I'm sorry I'm such a knucklehead. And uh, go to Wajamaya and buy a $9 grapefruit for your friends because the peel was very aromatic. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. Okay, but at the same time, I bought a couple. But of- you know what? Good for you. For, kudos for you for recognizing that we're just, we're just damn foreigners when he gets down to it. <laughs> you know, sometimes. Uh, at the same time I was there, I, I shopped for grapefruit because the citrus is crazy at Wajamaya right now. There's everything. I was just there a like few days ago. 10 or 15 ago. kinds of oranges, uh, grapefruits, blah, blah, blah. So let's. I'm just going to say real quick, when you buy a grapefruit, I buy grapefruit that are heavy to the touch. Correct. Really heavy. Right. It's like you can pick one up and it feels, and you touch it and squeeze it, and it feels like, wow, the skin on this is about an inch thick, and it's, it's not, uh, it's uh, too hard, and it's, and it's not. Then you pick one up right next to it, and it's heavy as a rock. Right. That's the one you want. Correct. Right? And you also and don't want it to be totally soft to the touch either, because that's over the top. Usually yeah, you, but it's hard to find a grapefruit that's over the top. That's true, but yeah. you could. I mean, you could. I, I think the the phenomenon of the when you're weighing your grapefruit is the same as when you're looking for a melon. You want to look for something that feels like it's got meat inside mm-hmm. and not just water, and a little bit of a thinner skin that you can feel that it's not all skin and there's right, plenty of meat right. on the inside. Yeah, right. and so so then what do you do when now you've got a perfect grapefruit? How do you handle it? Because my family has gotten used to me making supremes out of the grapefruit so they don't have to tackle it with a spoon or a grapefruit knife. So well, what do you do? So it depends. I mean, there are obviously the simplest way in the world to have a half 
pink grapefruit for breakfast is absolutely delicious. I love that. Just cut it in half. Boom. Cut it in half yeah. and then take a, a knife and, you know, just cut all the segments around. So you do do some of that work. No, no. I just, I have a, a what's called a grapefruit knife. You know, know, you just cut the inside. So when you grab it, you can, you know, it's easier to crumb out of the mm-hmm. shell. Um, the other one is segments. Same thing as what you were talking about. Supremes. For, yeah. Supremes. So you take all the supremes out between the white meat, the white, you know, you take the meat out of the fl- the. Yeah, of the fruit. And then uh, use that in different, I mean, millions of different ways to use grapefruit. But I just like a big bowl of it. Yeah, a big bowl of that is delicious. Yeah, so after you, know, you supreme it, right, you squeeze it, the juice yeah, on top. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you can mix, uh, I'm a big fan of mixing um, grapefruit and apple. Actually, strange enough, if you take a honey crisp and cut it in smaller pieces and then put it with your grapefruit and eat that and toasted nuts on top. Like walnut goes really well with grapefruit. You're killing me here. I'm just, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it either. I'm just telling okay. you, toasted walnut. I got it. Yeah, I got it. I'm not going to try it. So I'm just, okay, I'm just saying that's a good mix. Mm. You have, and then uh, you th- go ahead. In salads and with crab, I'm a big fan of Love it with pink grapefruit and crab. Yeah. I mean, that's a very delicious match. Mm-hmm. I think uh, lobster does very well with pink grapefruit as well, in the salad especially. Shrimp, any of those kind of yeah, things. Any yeah, any of the, of the shell seafood. Uh, what else goes well with grapefruit? I love to do uh, grapefruit and uh, fish. Like if you do in the summertime, grill a nice piece of salmon, let's say with olives. And then you do a chopped of uh, grapefruit, chopped shallots, a little bit of olive oil, salt, pepper, very simple. Put that on the base of your um, salmon. So you just did a cardinal sin for me, chef. You did what? You just did a cardinal sin. <laughs> oh, yeah? You know what a cardinal sin is? You weren't Catholic. Did you grow up Catholic? Yeah, well, I was, a cardinal yeah. sin is I haven't made one in many years. Yeah. <laughs> you, you just use grapefruit in the summer. What's wrong this with that? This is the time for Because we right, have our right. own fruit in the summer. I know, but we have grapefruit in the summer. That's the problem. You shouldn't buy it. No, I know. This is the time to really get in. Salmon comes out in May. There's okay, still so grapefruit, you know. Let's go back out into the grapefruit world. You have your choice of white grapefruit, pink grapefruit, uh, ruby red. Uh, they all pretty much taste the same. It's really a visual, right? Well, I, no, that's not true. I think the, the yellow or white uh, grapefruit is a little bit more acidic, not quite as delicate as... I think the ruby grapefruit is a little bit more delicate than all the grapefruit you just named, actually. In terms of finishing flavor, I think it's a bit, you know, kind of like gentle, more gentle. Hmm. Not yeah. quite as acidic. I mean, the yellow, I've had some yellow grapefruit that were pretty intense in acidity. Yeah, I have not come across that. Okay, so now we've uh, got our grapefruit. It's firm. It's heavy. It's uh, a little bit thinner skin. Uh, we've taken it, and we're going to use it in a salad. Let's say we've made a supreme out of it, which means we, we release the, the meat of the fruit from the segments, uh, strands yeah, that are holding it. Uh, now, let's make that crab salad you were talking about. So, bib lettuce base. So, when you peel a grapefruit, number one, when you, when you segment a grapefruit, there's always tons of juice that comes out. Make sure you keep a bowl underneath and keep that juice, because that's how I make my dressing with a little bit of Dijon mustard and, and surprise, and olive oil. And, and I mix, juice, yeah. I mix that together, and I put that as my mixing for the crab and the grapefruit at the end. And one thing that goes really well with grapefruit is tarragon. I love tarragon. Mm. Just a little bit of tarragon and grapefruit mm-hmm. goes really well together. Avocado, too. Avocado and grapefruit. Oh, yeah, my God. Nice such combo. a good yeah. match. Yeah. Such a good match. Yes. And why is that? Because avocados are super fatty yeah. and the grapefruits are a little bit tart. Anything acidic a- goes well with yeah. anything fatty. So, you know. So, this- bib lettuce. Yeah. What else? What, what are we going to put on top? 
I would put a nice bib lettuce, and I would also, you could also, well, this is not the time for tomatoes, but tomatoes in the summertime. No, no tomatoes. Again, when you use grapefruit for dressing. Oh, my God, we're back to the summer, chef. I know, it's January. I know, I know, I know. I know. Okay, then. Let's pickle some vegetables. Let's pickle some uh, daikon, for example, because that's a nice little radish kind of idea to mix with that. So nice pickled radish or pickled daikon, grapefruit. And then um, avocado, avocado, and then you get all this stuff together and make a nice little salad and put. You your like crab. any chev or anything like that on that? No, no please don't no, put no any cheese. don't put any cheese on my okay. cold crab salad. I all hate right. that. All right, that's not a thing. I'm so just fresh dungee. Um, crab oh yeah, pick, or pick fresh pick meat. Fresh king mm. crab would be delicious. If you take a right now, if you take a nice dungee, I mean there's some beautiful dungee on the oh, market. Oh, it's spectacular. So you take one and you steam it and then you let it cool off a little bit on the counter and then you pull all the meat out. So it's Stays room temp, and you put that right on top of your salad. Never been cold. Woo! I tell you, I haven't eaten much Dungeness crab, and then Pamela <laughs> served it at Christmas Eve dinner, and I was thinking, geez, that's, that's a hard thing to do with a big group and as an appetizer, right? Because you've yeah. got to break it all up, and it was spectacular. I've been eating it ever since. It was yeah. quite delicious. We live in a very beautiful part of the world. We're blessed. Uh, okay, uh, when we come back, let's talk about fish tacos. Or tacos in general, because we've got a little tasting panel set up for a bunch of the different seasonings, taco seasonings, available in your supermarket now. Uh, I'm Tom Douglas. And I'm Terry Rotiro, the chef in the hat. It's the Hot Stove Society Show on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM. And we're back. It's the Hot Stove Society Show on Cairo Radio uh, you know, Chef, uh, I'm Tom Douglas. And I'm Terry Rotiro, the chef in the hat. Chef, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we came out with our new taco spice in our line uh, because people kept asking for the recipe down at Seatown for our fish taco. What, what were we doing? And originally, uh, we were using the tain, the Mexican spice. And I liked it, but it was a little bit one-dimensional. But I love the citrusy quality of it. Right, right. So... Um, uh, when I looked it up online, they were, you know, the way I could look at it, the way I could, what it looked like to me was they were using one type of chili and some lime powder to make tain. And so I was thinking about it, you know, what I love a blend of chilies, whether it's anchos and guajillos and. Uh, yeah, more is better with Tom. Chipotle. No, no, no. It's more about flavor profile and rounding. Oh, out, I see. Rounding out the flavor profile, like a okay. chipotle. Uh, and a dried chilies tend to have like a little bit more smoky quality. And then uh-huh. when you take them and hold them over an open flame, they have even more smoky quality. Sure. And then lime powder has this bright citrus. Yeah, note, I like lime powder. But it's one-dimensional again. So in, my, in mine, I added some lemon uh, crystals at the same time, all natural stuff. Sure. And boom, it just popped. And I loved it. And I made it for the team, and everyone loved it. So we switched over uh, a few months ago and decided to add it to our spice line since... Uh, Seatown is the home of Rub With Love Spices. We have everything there that in our product line. So let me give you a quick uh, hypnosis. So I have never bought, surprise enough, I've had tacos many times. I've never bought a, a seasoning mm-hmm. for it. And now I realize there is a lot of seasoning on the market, apparently, from where Pam went shopping. But when I tested yours, it, for some reason, it doesn't even remind me of a taco. It reminds me of a great seasoning. And I can think of a million things to do with this, mm-hmm. which has nothing to do with taco. Main reason that I like that spice rub is because it's full of citrus, and to me, citrus is a safety of so many things and makes it brightens any dish you touch. 
at the end, that's missing that little je ne sais quoi or whatever. Right. You put a little bit of that on top, and bam, you just change the whole profile. Well, it works a little bit like salt does, right? It right, brightens right. the palate, and, but it doesn't... But in a cleaner way... Yeah, know, it doesn't give you that aftertaste or that correct. later in the evening you're dying for a glass of water kind right. of scenario. Uh, it's very delicate. I mean, I, I think it's beautiful, beautiful rub. And again, because I've never used it in taco, I can see now how it would be good in a taco, but I would use this on... Just about I anything. used it on Swiss chard the other night. Instead of uh, mm, lemon juice great idea. and salt, I used it because the chili's brightening. You know, there's not a yeah, hot spice, yeah. right? And I think it would this be more delicate than the, than the lemon juice. Lemon juice is kind of abrasive a little bit. It can be harsh. Yeah. yeah, so this is actually a much more delicate product to use. All right, so I'm going to bring my microphone over to the board here. Uh, we have five different taco seasonings, and our, our effort here isn't to... Uh, necessarily say, oh, this one's better than that one, because they're all used for different reasons. So we're using, we're trying the, um, well, this one uh, just says fish taco seasoning mix. It doesn't really have a brand name on it. Uh, simply organic. Simply organic. Uh, and then we also have Lowry's uh, chicken taco rub. We have uh, the Rub with Love taco spice. We have McCormick. You know, McCormick is the biggest spice company in the world, I think. Yep. And then we have one, uh, Pam... This one is a spice starter, and you add water to it. Is uh, no, oh it, no, it's it, actually it, wet. Yeah, it came as a paste, which uh, there is a lot of those styles now appearing on the grocery. Yeah, Frontieras. Yeah, Frontier products. A, a wet blend. Yeah. So, uh, chef, I guess I would say in looking at these, which would you use on, say, a beef taco? Which to me, like if you look at our Southwest rub, our pork rub that we have in our line. Lots of cumin, lots of garlic and chili and, and things. You know, to me, it's a stronger flavor, uh-huh. whereas uh, one of the reasons I made the, our taco spice brighter, uh, obviously we use it at Seatown, but I was looking for that citrus, right? I was looking for a more citrusy kind of flavor. So, so I think this would be the wet one is the, probably... And that's uh, La Tortilla Factory. That would be reminding me the most about beef or ribs or what, you know, pulled beef, pull beef or whatever you would uh-huh. do in a taco... The, that would remind me the most of that. Lots of cumin. Lots of cumin. Lots of very heavy strong. pepper. Yeah. And uh, the finishing is reminding me more like ribs. Uh, like a rib, a rib um, what do you call that? Like, like a rib spice rub, you know, or rub, not wet rub. Yes. Yeah. So that would be what it would remind me the most of. Um, definitely, can I say what's my least found right uh-huh. now? This is definitely not. What, which one is that? It's this not is a, the McCormick's. Yeah, not for me. I'm sorry. Why? The finishing, the whole, the whole thing. With, uh, we are, so just so the, the viewers or the listeners are aware, we're trying roasted pieces of chicken, small cubes of chicken that we just roasted, and we're trying that with the rub. And that one came out the worst to me in my mouth in terms of the five, and we are trying. Um, you know why it's the worst for me? Why? It's all salt. It's just uh, it's such it's a just, strong salt yeah, it did, it did you not, don't get the nuance not. of the other flavors. Yeah. And then my, my, uh, the fish taco is actually okay to me. It, it kind of matches a little bit. It's okay. It's, a, it's an okay rub. But, again, I think that if I was getting down to that section, um, I mean, and again, it's not because you're here. You know I would never do that. Oh, I, don't, don't I know? <laughs> but I can tell you that your rub kicks ass. Well, it's just different, right? Woohoo! Well, no, I like it because, again, for the same reason I, I said before, the finish on the mouth is citrus. Right. 
these spies are very well coordinated. They're not like, it's not like they're fighting over, but you can tell there's a beautiful array of spices in there. That's not, you don't taste salt. You don't taste, you know, things well, that I you know. Well, I get the lemon crystals and the lime powder. That's right. what I get out of it. But, I mean, that's, to me, that's what a, a rub is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be a, a pre-seasoned, okay, go home and just have some salt. That's not. Do you think it's important that they make the blends uh, customized to the protein? Because that's why the seasoning section is so big now. That I understand. Every yeah. company has a I chicken one, a beef one, a fish one. I, honestly, I think it's a marketing ploy. Period. Me too. I think it's just, I mean, and good for them. I'm not saying something wrong about that. Good for them. Keep going. But I think it's a ploy. I would argue that, that it's, it's... There is a purpose. There is a purpose. If you look... If you were just going to go buy taco spice in a supermarket, like you just did, right? You bought yeah. the array. If if I was making, be getting fresh halibut right now, and going to sear that off with the rub, with the spice rub on it, the taco spice, and put it into my tortillas with guacamole, a little bright salsa, some homemade tortillas, maybe a little avocado crema, something like that. If you were to use the tortilla factory sauce on that taco, Too heavy, yeah. oh, it would just overwhelm the whole thing. You would lose every nuance. Whereas if you use one of the fish taco, whether it's mine or whether it's the Simply Organic, if you use one of those on that halibut, it would it, it would shine through all the brightness that you got going on. So, uh, yeah, I disagree with you both a little bit that sometimes there is an intentional heaviness to that that I think... If the tortilla factory one, I think that's intended for ground beef to make taco meat for a taco salad mm-hmm. or like a classic mm-hmm. kind of taco. Okay, my, my point is not that it's not meant for that. Excuse well, me. My point is that... a marketing ploy. My point is, well, because I think it's crossover easily going to many other things. I mean, I just tried Lowry's, Lowry's chicken taco. That's not depending just on chicken. No, that definitely could go on a fish taco, whereas that's what I don't I think just, the tortilla factory one does. Well, that's what I mean by a ploy. I mean, I don't mean it like it's necessarily made to be making people wrong on it. I agree with you on that. It starts as the idea that this needs to go with chicken, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not just chicken. Just like you say, all your rubs, to me, have tried to Are interchangeable, rubs. yeah. They're interchangeable. You, yeah. you start with an idea, and that's cool, because that's what the main goal is, like salmon rub. That salmon rub can go on so many different things, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's not just one. Well, here's the thing that happened, though. 27 years ago or so, when we first came out with our rubs, in the Northwest, they were unfamiliar, right? Correct. Uh, I learned about rubs when I was on the barbecue tour down in the South, and I thought, this is super fun, and yeah. blah, blah, blah. But I literally had to put out a thing, of, like an instructional guide on my rubs, like first... You put the rub on the fish, and then you let it sit for three Isn't minutes, and then you cook, right? Because people didn't understand. I, didn't, I don't mean to generalize. Many people up here it isn't in the culture. Right. So now we're past that. Right. And so my original intention on my jars was, well, if you're going to sell this rub, you have to give them a recipe to use. Correct. But then it, it kind of bogs down that product into that recipe, and it's not intended that way. So we're kind of in a little bit of a catch-22. No, no, and I get, I get the whole idea. I mean, you got to sell. you got to give an instruction to the, to the consumer 100% mm-hmm. with it. I think anything in the market should have an instruction for the customer, mainly because it's a guidance. You know, it's, that's, that helps the consumer to, to buy the product and to use it. But it's definitely important to say it's not confined to those walls. And... Um, Kudos for your uh, wonderful rub, oh, man. thank you. Cool. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk about knives, keeping them sharp. Uh-huh. 
there are some good shops around Seattle to get your knife sharpened. Also, uh, you can buy your own stone. Uh, and re- remember that when you, or I'll tell you this in the next one, but what, how to use a steel uh, or all the different versions that Bring are your out, wallet. <laughs> that are out there right now. <laughs> You're listening to us on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Yay! Oh, yeah. You know, knife care is critical to get the important mints, as Pamela wrote in her note to me. And, uh, Pam, I'm just going to ask you, uh, because I think sometimes uh, home cooks are intimidated about honing their knives or taking them to get sharpened. Have you ever honed or taken your knife to get sharpened? Both. Do you know what the difference is? No. Um, I bought the machine. <laughs> well, I think she's like a lot of home cooks. I bought the machine, the electric one. Uh-huh. Like chef choice, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, that uh-huh. you pull it through. And I also have the rod. Uh-huh. But I can never get a correct angle that produces an improvement in my blade. So right now I'm taking them because uh, Seattle Cutlery in the market has reopened and started sharpening again. So that's where I take them. But I'd rather do it myself and keep them up. You know what? The Tom Douglas knife holds an edge pretty darn well. Does you it? know what? That's a that's a class to be. You should do a class on bring a one of yeah. Seattle cutlery guy and then a chef. No, we have a and one of our new cooks is starting a knife sharpening business. There so. you go. You should do a class and do. You know, how to own and, and sharpen your knives. Okay, and let's I, start with that, Terry. You buy a knife at Seattle Cutlery yeah. or Sur La Table or any, any place that are here. I sell knives. Uh, you buy one. It's super sharp. You're thinking, dang, this is nice, right? It's right. so much better than my old knife. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it a, month, up. a month or two later, it's dull. You put it on your magnet. Every time you take it off your magnet, you kind of rub the edge, and it starts to dull. When you're slicing on the on the Cutting block. I watch so many people take their nice sharp knife, boom, 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 slice, and then they scrape, scrape the uh, edge side on the board. They yep. scrape to move their celery or their carrots to a pile. So right? quick, quick and note you're here. And you scraping right across that blade. Quick note here: to scrape, turn your knife around. Absolutely. Use the back of your knife to scrape on your board. It's very simple. Pro tip, right there. Okay, so here we are. We've bought this new knife. Two months later, we've mishandled it. We've done this and that. We've used it. Now we need to get it honed or sharpened. I would say so, honed at the beginning. Two months in, I would say honed yeah. too. So what's the difference between honing and sharpening? Well, honing is you're going to take your knife and you're going to run it onto a stone. and they are, Or steel. Or steel. But most likely a stone. Um, no, dep- depends on, I'm sorry. Most likely a steel, not yes, a stone. Yes. Um, and um, sharpening a knife on a steel, whether it's a round steel or a flat steel, um, it's up to you, and it's up to your knowledge of how, f- how your knife should be. But the number one thing you should remember when you want to sharpen a knife, you're not... You're honing. Let's not when confuse When you want to own a knife... Honing. H-O-N-E. Honing yeah. a knife. Um, do not make your blade be meeting the steel at a sharp angle. Mm-hmm. It's the most important part you have to remember. You're not trying to... It's not like the knife has never been sharp before. And it's not like it didn't have an angle before. You're not trying to build your knife. You know, it's already been there. It's, it's just disappeared. The fine tip that allows your knife to be very sharp is extremely small. Very, mm-hmm. very small. All it needs is to be brought back. Your steel is sharpened. It's made, it's made exactly for that. Then you can actually hone it 
and in just a couple couple turn on your steel, you should be able to bring it back. And so what you're bringing back is the original blade. Correct. Right? Whereas when you're sharpening it on a stone or you take it to a shop, you're, you're creating a new blade, Correct. right? They're grinding it down or they're, they're doing something. Right. And yeah. it's kind of um, like your hardwood floor. You know, you're going to sand it down after a few years and then give it a new, a new look and a new shop, mainly because it's got pieces coming out everywhere. It's not as smooth as it used to be. Well, you can only do that so many times because then eventually you're going to get to the nails and you won't mm-hmm. be able to do it. So it's the same kind of concept in terms of you do it once, you do it twice, and then after three times, first of all, you won't be able to, even if you hone it well, you won't be able to bring back the sharpness if, it's, if it disappears. Because you end up with a round, instead right. of a nice sharp blade, you end up with like a rounded, right. I mean, it you can't visually eyeball it's round, but you right. can feel it on your finger. You run your finger across Correct. the blade, right? You can so feel. I also personally have different way of honing my knife. I'll show you, Tom. I haven't used the steel in a few years. I own my knife in the back of another knife, just like uh-huh. so. Ooh. Because it's the same principle, it's, it's metal. Mm-hmm. And when I was apprentice, there was like a series of like, you owned your knife with a steel once every two months, but every other day you were going like this to just give it the, you know, and just a few times. You don't do it a lot, you do it like four or five times, mm-hmm. done. And your knife, you just sharpen it, 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 sharp, it sharpens instantly, Back to having its its nice edge, you have to feel your knife um, edge, um, and then one of the things that I do a lot, which is not recommended <gasps> by the health department, <laughs> is to do this. So what are you doing, Chef? We're on the radio. <laughs> I open my uh, sleeve and I sh- and I shave my hair on my arm. That's how I know. Uh, how I know. You know, Chef, knife. that's super gross in my kitchen. <laughs> I wash the knife too. Okay. Okay. And by the way, it's not gross. I took a shower this morning. Uh, okay. Anyway, just kidding. <laughs> but the point is that um, that's the sharpness I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. So by I'm glad you did it on your arms and not other parts of your body because. <laughs> well, I, I don't yeah. have any other hair. Okay. It's only on my arm. All right. So, so that now we've discovered the difference between sharpening Correct. and honing. Correct. H-O-N- ING, right? And then the, the outcome after that, if you know how to use a stone, I would recommend for anybody to go to a knife store and ask them to show you how to use a stone. Because they you, sell them and they want to sell them to you. Well, they, they will tr- show you and they yeah. will sell it to you. Yeah. But most importantly, if you use a stone the wrong way, you can actually mess up your, your knife and then you won't be able to ever have well, the, the, the sharpness come back. To your point on that, what people's biggest mistake is when they're sharpening the, the knife or even honing is that they're not getting an even cross on the on the steel with their knife and so they end up you end up working a bow into your knife right right? or if you're on a stone and you're only kind of sharpening the front two-thirds instead of the whole edge so you end up with a bow in your knife right the best way is to start from the bottom of your blade next to the handle on the top of your of your steel and then move the knife all the way like this so you can actually run the whole blade through Mm mm-hmm and, and, and all steels have a little guard there because you're, you're correct. sharpening towards your fingers. Correct. And uh, so you keep your fingers under the guard. Well, that's, and also, don't make it so that it's a 45-degree angle. Make it so that it's almost flat to the steel. That's the best way to do a repetitious work. If you do this correctly, mm-hmm. your knife won't need much more than five, six times, and you're done. Right. And once your knife is not capable of regaining that, with the steel, that's when you need to get to the stone 
or go to the store and have them sharpen it for you. Well, I, I, I buy cheap knives so that I'm not, because I'm a, the worst knife sharpener ever, but I also buy them because I like to shop for knives. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I don't want to buy a lifetime knife. If you do buy a $200, $250 knife, and you do end up with a little bit of a bow, and you can see it. You can just put your, your knife blade onto the cutting board and yeah. put a light behind it and see it. You can see shine or when you're cutting chives and you're yeah. not getting all the way through them or green onions, right? Then you have to take and have it ground into a new blade, or you throw it away and right. start over. But so it's new, hard to get back. A new blade, the problem with that is if it's a chef's knife that has the bottom part of the knife comes down all the way to the table, you can only sharpen the knife so far back. Yeah. Then you won't be having a useful knife. That's, that's true. Hey, listen, we have another full hour of this stimulating conversation. Uh, we are sharp-witted, so to speak. Oh, um, yes, and we're going to we cook are. rabbit. Razor shop. We're going to talk some Moroccan spices with Mehdi Bujrada. And also, uh, we're going to do some Rub With Love tasty trivia right here on the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Stay with us. Vas-y, chef. Wow, that was a long break. Let's uh, let's get right back into our show. It's Tom Douglas. And Thierry Rotubro, the chef in a hat. Coming to you from the beautiful Hotel Andre downtown at the Hot Stove Society Kitchens, where we do company events, we do social classes, we do weddings, we do rehearsal dinners. Private dinner. Uh, you know, I'll tell you, uh, that's one of my favorite things that we uh, found out here is rehearsal dinners. Instead of sitting around a big table with family you don't know and never met. Come cook together. Yeah. It's a great way to great way to yourself. get yeah. yeah, exactly. If you start making one ton together, you'll definitely get closer. It really does change everything. Uh, chef, we got a big hour coming up. Uh, we got Mej- uh, Mehdi Bujrada from Villa Gerada uh, to tell us about his Moroccan and Levantine-inspired condiments. Also, we're going to talk a little bit about rabbit, 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 and, of course, uh, food for thought, tasty trivia to wrap things up. Uh, let's jump right into rabbit. So uh, rabbit. when you go to buy rabbit around town, it's almost always frozen. Correct. It's hard to find it fresh. You could Correct. probably mail order it fresh, but you, it's hard to find fresh. So uh, if I'm going to buy it, I, I tend to buy it at the Met Market or at Don and Joe's or, or someplace. PCC sometimes. Do they have it? rabbit? Yeah. Sometimes. And sometimes you see it in whole versions. Yeah. And sometimes just the legs because the back hind legs are the meaty part. Right. I right? find it the mostly whole. Are, yeah. And so I pull it out. I let it thaw in the fridge for a couple of days. It's, sure. it's one of those dishes that I don't kind of just jump into willy-nilly. I let it sit in the fridge so it thaws naturally. I don't want to have to run it under running water. And then I start my process. Uh, so what's your process? Mm. My process is what I grew up with on, often on Sunday in the spring. My mom would take the big Le Creuset oval pot, mm-hmm. deep Le Creuset pot, put on the fire, and then... She would take the rabbit, fresh rabbit, by the way, just, just recently. Your dad would shoot it or trap it or no, what? No, 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 no. We raised them. You raised them, okay. In a cage. And a- anyway, so yeah. I don't want to get, uh, some people get grossed out by that. It's like, no, no, we actually purposely raised those, mm-hmm. those domesticated rabbits. Well, we just harvested uh, six of kill our it, chickens. Kill it, kill yeah. it. Take the, uh, the kidneys and the, and the um, liver and the heart out, and then take the rabbit and then cut it in two pieces, like chunks. Bone in, everything. Mm-hmm. But cut the whole rabbit into chunks, salt and pepper, butter in the pan, let it get brown, and then put all your pieces of rabbit in there. Give it that nice, beautiful, brown, golden... No flour, no nothing. No, no, Just no, no, the no, meat no. into the butter. Yeah. yeah. And then onions, 
So if you have pearl onion, that's one thing. If you have time to peel those, that's great. If you don't have pearl onion, you just regular onion, then you cut in big cubes, you know, and then throw that in there. Thyme, bay leaf, a few carrots pieces, because rabbits and carrots goes really well together. Mm-hmm. No, no joke. And then uh, <laughs> white wine. <laughs> Put about two-thirds of the meat up with white wine and then cover mm-hmm. with the big enamel thing. Medium heat on the stove. Let it cook. Or very you could pop it in the oven if you need your You could pop it in the oven else. if you have an yeah. oven at 350. That would be perfect. And then cook that to for about, it doesn't take long. It's about 35, 40 minutes, you know, I would say about. And then take the meat out of the, so take the, uncover the pot, take the meat out of there. Keep reducing down a little bit. Add some chicken stock, if you have some chicken stock. Reduce that down, and then finish the whole thing with, of course, a nice nugget of butter. And then you've got this wonderful little brothy, vegetable-y mm-hmm. um, rabbit dish. And then one thing that my mom often threw in there, because when it was in season, is fresh shock peas. At the last minute, you put in some blanched fresh shock peas in there, and then you have this wonderful carrot Peas, onion, and rabbit dish, and man, yum, some, yum, 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 some yum. young spring potatoes that have been nicely seared on the side. Whew. You'll be surprised at this, Chef, but in my first book, uh, I have a recipe in here that Matt Costello did at, uh, I don't remember if it was the Palace or the Dahlia, but it was called Riesling Rabbit with New Potatoes and Spring Vegetables. And it's very much what you just described. It's kind of funny. Yeah. But we use Riesling instead, which has a little sweet quality. Sweeter, yeah. And uh, was we- a great little springtime, like welcome welcome back to out of winter, right? Yeah, we so- didn't have Riesling to use when I was a, a kid. Mom yeah, used you didn't make it. The, yeah. the homemade wine, the Muscadet of the region, mm-hmm. which is cheap, dry white wine. So uh, the other thing you can do, uh, you mentioned some of the parts that came, came across. I love using that rabbit liver to make rabbit liver mousse out of or pate of some sort and put it on toast and serve it with that braised because it gives you a different texture, right? The crunchy, yeah. crostini gives you a little different texture with the whole braised rabbit. So my mom would just brown pan saute the liver, uh-huh. the heart, and the kidneys. She just brown just, butter, right. put them in, salt, pepper, that's it. And then she put that on the table on the side. But <coughs> she didn't like, cook the liver in the braise because... It no, would, no, no, yeah, no, no, not in, yeah. no, no. All those organs, not in the braise. Right. They cook too fast. They cook mm-hmm. very fast. And you don't want them to be overcooked. I mean, right. that's like uh, an overcooked liver is disgusting. It's like it gets too irony and it picks up all that flavor you don't want. Mm-hmm. So then you could also just treat it just like a fried chicken. You can do fried rabbit yeah. salad, right? Absolutely. So you take the rabbit, you cut it up, you uh, salt and pepper it. Uh, I make a flourless dredge for, for my uh, dredging pleasure these days. So I use one-third cornstarch, one-third masa harina, which is cornmeal flour. Sure. That's been nixtamalized. And then one-third cornmeal, mm, a give finer kind of cornmeal. Little texture there. Right? Yeah, it does. And you, so that's my dredge, and I just fry it like you would fried chicken. And the thing to remember is when you're frying, whether it's deep frying or even frying like this, if you want it to stay crisp, don't pull it out of that pan and then try and set it on paper towels mm-hmm. so it drains all the fat off. Put it on a cookie sheet cooling rack, right, uh, so that air goes around it and it stays crisp. Right. Uh, so that's a delicious way. You can do that with quail, rabbit, mm. anything uh, that, that you want. And then sauce with that. 
Anything? Well, you're going to laugh at this, but I'd put that on a salad and then with ranch dressing. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, but I, you know I, what? I make an herby, you know what? homemade ranch dressing. Because it's with fried. It buttermilk, tests. right? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. it would taste. It would taste good. I mean, that's a. I forgot to say the buttermilk. So I take the rabbit after salt and pepper and, and put it in buttermilk. Okay. And yeah, then yeah, yeah. I actually use soy sauce as my salt uh-huh. in that in that wet part of the dredge, sure. because it spreads out. Right. Unlike salt, right? Correct, salt correct. may or may not uh, dissolve, but the soy sauce just immediately spreads out and becomes the salt seasoning. It doesn't taste like soy sauce when you're eating no, the no, fried no, rabbit. Yeah. Right? So. yeah, so change your diet. Uh, you know, allow yourself to eat some rabbit. And eat, enjoy all parts of it. I know that yeah, the, you have to get through the first part. If you've never had it, you have to get through just the, the back legs are the meaty part. It's a lot to ask for the first time. So the first time, take the back legs and right. then... But I also cut the loins off and just give those a quick sear and serve those medium rare mm-hmm. with a braised back leg, right? So yeah, that yeah, you yeah, have yeah. a little different, different mm. uh, doneness. I've confit rabbit many times. Pull the meat, shred the meat, and then yeah. make it into a nice salad too. Yep, perfect. That's another way to do it. Okay, we got some exciting new, more spices coming up. Uh, we have a Villa Gerada spice line by Mehdi Bujrada. Uh, and he's going to talk about uh, his background, the Moroccan and Levantine-inspired uh, inspiration behind these products. I'm looking forward to this. On Cairo, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Okay, we're back in the Hot Stove Society Show, continuing with an exhilarating day today. We have so many spices and aromas in our kitchen. Well, it's that um, time of the I year. I not having the audience. I'm... If, in case you're wondering, we're actually, um, I'm actually going on vacation. My first uh, real good COVID for you. Night. You deserve it very yeah. well. And uh, so, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be doing the show from Hawaii, the Big Island. I have one more day to get through COVID-free. That is, if you don't, uh, you know, find something better to do on the beach. No, it's I'm, I, I won't. <laughs> Just letting you know, you should be expecting me next <laughs> two weeks Friday. Anyway, so we're looking forward to that. Play a little golf, do that kind of thing. So we have uh, many Bujrada here from Villa Gerarda. Uh, it's a line of spices. Well, let you tell us what you got in here. You brought us these two beautiful gift boxes uh, full of uh, ingredients that I always relate to um, Morocco. Uh, but tell us about you and your history and what's going on. Yeah, th- thank you, Tom and Terry, for having me. Well, it's a pleasure being here. Uh, my name is Mary. I'm the founder of Villa Gerada. Uh, it's a uh, family-owned uh, company that specializes in Moroccan and uh, Levantine products. You know, anything is, from that's the part I don't know. Levantine. No, so yeah. So the, the Levant is like a. It's I think it's a French term, right? The Levant is is a, a specific region of the Middle East, which uh, I, I think it goes from Lebanon all the way to. Uh, oh, it, it comprises Lebanon, uh, Jordan. Uh, what you call today modern Palestine and Israel, and I think Syria as well. Okay. So, so this is like that very maybe specific. one world, uh, ancient times, but now all separate countries. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I see. Okay. Yeah, and then you know, obviously, our forte is the Moroccan uh, line because I'm obviously from Morocco. So that that's about the company. I mean, you also asked me to introduce myself. I'm. Uh, I came in the U.S. in 2000. Uh, the first time I came here was in 2000. I have uh, two stepbrothers, and I'm sure you know them. One of them used to own uh, La Vita Bella in, uh, in, in Belltown next to Shiro's. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, and that's, that's how I started my life in, in, the, in the restaurant scene and, and the food business. And uh, I came back to, to Morocco, then went to France for summer. I had a blast. 
And then unfortunately 9-11 happened, so I came back to Morocco. And then in 2002, I came back officially to the U.S. and, and stayed. Yeah, I decided to. I almost was done with my studies, but I, I was so obsessed and, and, uh, with the U.S. I told my parents, I, I just have to stay. And I, I think since my teens, I really, my dream was, was to live in America. So, and yeah. so you, you did that. You've been in the restaurant business. What got you into a spice line business? How did yeah, you so, uh, I, I, put together that? Because so many people, especially right now, it seems like, yeah. are very interested in these kind of organic, homegrown businesses. Yours is obviously more than that at this sure. point, but it's had to start there. Yeah. Absolutely. Just like mine did, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, for, uh, fortunately, I, I unconditionally had some food background. You know, my family, food obsessed. Uh, my dad used to sell tractors and, and trucks, so he always took me to farms and wineries in Morocco. Uh, my grandfather was a, was a wheat producer uh, when Morocco was under French protectorate. So, I mean, th- that was like that silent background, but also when I came here... Um, there's a first reflex uh, of most immigrants, which is to get into the food, mostly because of nostalgia, but also because I think, at least in my personal experience, is the fact that you see a lot of uh, stereotypes or lack of, of uh, information about your culture. So you try to, there's a little bit of like militancy in, in you to, you know, be an ambassador the best you can. And then, mm-hmm. of course, food is always the, the easiest way because um, you're also nostalgic. It's like the first thing that hits you is that you're missing the food and all that. And, uh, and also, to be honest with you, it was very hard, you know, because I, I work in restaurants and I'll see all these products made in Italy, made in Spain, and then I know that they come from Morocco because, you know, like the capers, the anchovies, the, the tuna, the, uh, there's so much that comes from Morocco, goes to Europe, gets, a, you know... Packaged. Yeah, and then it gets, it gets and then there's like zero credit to, to, to the service. <laughs> and then like always like, oh man, you know, I gotta, you know, I, I can't change it, but at least I can help, you know, modify the narrative. To some degree, and uh, yeah, and it was no brainer. I worked for my brother. I was a, you know, I was a busser. I was a bus boy and met a lot of great people, and it's just that connection with with the with the restaurant community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, did you raise all your capital uh, yourself, or did you get investors, or how did you go about uh, this great idea, super flavors, and then get it yeah. to marketplace? So I was I was lucky when I so when I came to the US I was very lucky. My my brothers helped me, let me sleep in their uh, couches, and gave me a job and. My, my parents, when they dropped me off in Morocco, I think my dad gave me $2,000. So that wow. was, yeah, it was a lot compared, compared, in comparison to a lot of immigrants that come here with, with $0. So I had that privilege of you know, having a very easy, comfortable uh, start. But when it came to business, it was a different... Isn't that funny, though? $2,000, comfortable, very oh, easy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, you say that like, to most Americans, they look at you, they go, that's a month of rent. Know, yeah. A lot of people are coming out of camps, like a lot yeah. of the Vietnamese yeah. restaurants. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, I, out of, it's a I'm lot with of you. I'm now. with you, but, but I'm uh, saying that most people who hear that story go... My dad gave me 150 bucks when I left the house. Yeah. <laughs> my dad gave me zero. He yeah. said... Yeah, exactly. Well, this is why I'm saying. My dad said, I, I, I hello, goodbye, thank you, and use that as much as you can, because it's really good. I'm like, well, that's great. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, but then when it came to the real business, I, I had to ask um, my mom for help in Morocco. And then I also worked. I was working in the restaurant. I was hustling in the morning, you know, doing this, and then afternoon going to work. Uh, at the time, I was working La Spiga. And I want to give a shout-out to, to Pietro and Sabrina because they were very kind to me at that time, you know. Mm. Sometimes I would get stuck in some sales. I'd call them, like, hey, guys, you know, I'm going to be late. They're like, yeah, no worries. So it was very, very, very helpful to, to have, uh, you know, 
uh, employers that that support your uh, your business venture and give you the opportunity to uh, to do that. Mm-hmm. And then gradually, you know, just little by little. I mean, the first year was just hustling. I mean, it was very hard because you go to a place. At the time, I had one. I had one product. You go to a restaurant, like, hey, I want to. So you this thing, and you know everybody likes convenience. One call to one big guy. Yeah, obviously, know. yeah. It was it was extremely hard, but you know, gradually, you know, people started appreciating appreciating the products and the relationship. And I mean, thankfully now, I mean, I can say I'm very good friend with most of my. I don't even. I, I feel bad calling them customers. Yeah, like they are friends, right. you know, and family. Right. And and Thierry is like my uncle. You know. <laughs> 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 to say, you know, I come from a Maybe culture. Maybe he's like, like my nephew, I guess. Yeah, I, guess so. <laughs> I, I come from a culture where people like uh, Thierry's, I, can, I can't call him a friend. He's like an uncle. Yeah. Culturally, that's how I have oh. to call him. Tonton. Thierry, yeah. what drew you to this product? Well, the cleanliness of it is, and the, you know, the origin and the cleanliness of it is always what attracts me to any product, you know. And, and uh, you know me, I, I don't shop much in the middle of the market. I'm much more of a, you know, fresh guy and try to, to get what's seasonal and all. I'm an, I've always been like this, just like you are. Mm-hmm. So when I see products like this come to the market, I, first of all, I love Morocco. I've been lucky enough to go on a trip with back then uh, Mustafa. And it's, you know, if you go visit countries like Morocco, I know then a lot of Americans are like, oh, Morocco, I'm not sure, whatever. I mean, make friends with a Moroccan and go to Morocco with a Moroccan. Uh-huh. There is no better way to visit a country. Go to France with a Frenchman the first time or French woman. But my okay. point is, Go from somebody from that culture to the country you want to visit because it will be making your trip so much more beneficial. You will be introduced to things you would never see as a tourist and you most importantly will be able to have a starting to have an understanding of the culture. You know, how does it work and how, you know, what's so attractive about it and you're going to discover things you won't believe. And to me, my biggest discovery was, man, they got some killer olive oil and olives in Morocco. Mm. Some awesome and very diversified. And most importantly, they get the word of spice. Like you go into those shops, you just get high just walking into the shop. That's how much concentration. High on sp- life. Yeah, on spice. Clear. On spice. Yeah. Just, yeah, high on life. I mean, it's just so incredible. And, and then you see the simplicity of the usage of it. And that makes you want to just be there. Well, that's a good segue because in the next segment, we're going to talk about how to use these products uh, what, what do we have there? We have Charmula, we have Harissa, we have Ras Al-Hanout. Yep. And what else? Tahini, yeah, olives, ke- lemon. So come back. We're going to find out how to use all these delicious products on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. We are back in the kitchen here at the Hot Stove Society trying all the different products from the Villa Girada line brought to us by Mehdi Bujrada. Betty, uh, we talked last segment about your background, your history, and the relationship of uh, Morocco to France being kind of like a, a little bit like the Mexican-American relationship. You know, it's, there's a lot of synergy there. Uh, tell us about uh, these products. Chef, I know you love Harissa, and you use it in all sorts of things, but how would you go about Let's start yeah. with the Harissa, because I think that's the most common product that people know yes so so harissa is like the uh sriracha of north africa it, it was born in tunisia and then gradually um, each country of the region kind of adopted it the way uh it did just like curries you know you got thai curry vietnamese japanese curry kind of the same uh, scenario uh in morocco we like you know like the, the landmark of flavors in morocco is the preserved lemon so harissa has a lot of preserved lemon has a lot of olive oil 
it's almost get like layers. You know, you get the heat. It's like a, I would describe it as a as a subtle, nice heat. It has, yeah. You know, breeze from the mint. You get the olive oil. You get the so it's not just like heat in your face and there is nothing. It's very yeah, that's, like that's well, what's lovely about it. I is know that people think harissa. They look at it. It's got that look that it's going to be super hot. Yeah, and it's a little bit like chili crisp, right? It's like it's got a. It fools you in that it's, it's a lovely heat. It's not just, a in-your-face kind of... You should put on the, on yeah. the jar. If Thierry can eat it, it's not yeah. that bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's, 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 it's got that blessing that he has. It's, it's a hot sauce that is based on olive oil. It has a lot of olive oil. So yeah. It's yeah. very healthy. It has peppers. It has cumin, coriander. So, like, everything plays well. It has the, the dried mint. And is uh, it a condiment or is it a cooking uh, paste. So, uh, specific. Uh, so, in, in its birthplace in Tunisia, it's used both in cooking and as as a hot sauce. As a condiment. In Morocco, yeah. it's it's eighty percent hot sauce. You know, like every okay. table it's served, and then you you decide. How okay. Or well, sometimes we have like a roasted chicken with preserved lemon and saffron, and then on top, people would take a preserved lemon, cut it in half, make it like a bowl. Fill it with, with the harissa and put it on top, and then people measure, yeah. you know, how much mm. they so want. So when you want. break apart your chicken, you just dip it into the sauce. Exactly, yeah, yeah. All right, so, shamula is next, then. What's, uh, what's yeah, the difference so, between the two, and how do you use it? Yeah, so I just want to say, so both of those uh, products are both, uh, award, they both won the uh, Good Food Awards. Uh, oh, nice. A few years ago, uh, last year. And then the shamula is also a uh, Sophie Award from the, from the Fancy Food Show in New York in 2017. Um, so shamula is like the chimichurri of Morocco. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a marinade uh, a slash uh, sauce that has you know, coriander, uh, cilantro, parsley, spices, preserved lemons again, olive oil. Uh, but we thought, you know, we, we didn't want to make a simmer sauce, so we thought, why don't we kind of do something fun, like almost like an... A, 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 like a, like a, a vegan version of that Italian nduja, or nduja oh. I don't know how this, they pronounce it. But with that, you know, like it's cool, it's, it's got a lot of sun-dried tomatoes, so let's make it into a spread. It's, like there's a sandwich that we make with uh, steak, uh, 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 shermula, red onions, and arugula, mm-hmm. and some lemon juice. Mm. That's ridiculous. I mean, I love so that chermula right there. That to me is my favorite taste on the table there. So, And you Chamula. can cook with it too. Like we, yeah. uh, we did a photo shoot with a a local photographer, his name is Jim Hankins, and uh, I wasn't able to be there, but he created this amazing recipe with mussels, and it was just unbelievable. I mean, And so you're just steaming the mussels and stirring the chamula, right? Yeah, like, yeah. you know, you get a little bit of broth so, so the sauce doesn't kind of stick to the pan, and you just right, throw a few right. spoonfuls, and it was just unbelievable. I love that about wet spices like that, is yeah. that they just, you don't even get the grittiness of a dry spice, they just melt into it. Okay, Ras Al Hanout yeah. is becoming... So Ras Very Al- popular. Yeah, Ras Al Hanout is a typical Moroccan. It's, and again, this is like the. I might sound biased here because I'm Moroccan, but I feel like this is the wisdom of the use of, of, of spices in Morocco. You know, if you look at the travel of spices from Asia, you know, what they call the Silk Road or the Spice Route, and it came all the way across in all these different countries, and then it ends in kind of Andalusia, Morocco, you know, the Moorish Kingdom. Like the wisdom, there's, there is never heat. Everything is like well calibrated, like a little bit of this with a little bit of that. You don't get like something in your face screaming at you. Right. That's not the purpose of, of Moroccan uh, spices. It's always like that gentle, nice, uh, you know, melodies that, that uh-huh. you get. So uh, Ras Al Hanout is almost like the nonna, uh, Italian nonna tomato sauce. There's so many variations, so many. Uh, this one is focused on... Uh, kind of sweet floral flavors. It has like lavender, roses, galangal, uh, ginger, cinnamon, saffron, uh, mace. 
it's very very complex and it's it's really good with like braises uh, also like it just in yogurt you know you mix it with a little bit of greek yeah. yogurt you do like a crudite platter it's unbelievable yeah and, or uh, uh, i love that when you say do a roast lamb and then you serve it with a little uh yogurt cool yogurt right yeah like maybe you spread the harissa on the lamb and then Serve it with a little bit of the cool mm. yogurt. That's a delicious yeah. way. To- yeah, it's super. Uh, in Morocco, we also, uh, we call it msakhan, which is the warmest. We also drink it in coffee. Oh, it's really? almost like, you know, like a uh, Turkish coffee, but it's just... Uh, you should uh, in, in propose that to Starbucks. Uh-huh. I know. I, I mean, after this, I have a meeting with the Starbucks. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wish. So yeah, you say it's good there's anybody braise, watching. <laughs> you say it's good in a braise. Are you yeah. sprinkling it on the meat? Browning the meat, braising the meat, or are you finishing with yes, the... Yes, yeah. So in which Mor- one? So the, the classic Moroccan cooking, we, when we braise, we don't, like, uh, we don't sear. So you right. marinate the meat. Oh, okay. Uh, and then you sear. Uh, the, the, the searing in Moroccan cooking is at the end, by opening right. the lid, and then everything kind of caramelizes. Right? Okay. It's like the opposite way. We yeah, because like, if you sear, you kill the spices. Yeah, that's you what I know. Spices, that's what yeah. I was asking. So it's, it's the other way around. Like okay. you, you obtain the same result, but towards the end uh-huh. versus, you know, the brain. Okay, what's the last thing you bought? Uh, the sure. other one is kefta. So kefta is like the ground beef of, you know, all the way from, I think it started in, in, in modern day Iran, Persia, and then kind of traveled in every country. You got like the Lebanese kefta, the Turkish, the um, um, Syrian, the Palestinian, then the, the Moroccan. Ballard. Pamela yeah, loves kefta. <laughs> so ours, like in Morocco, again, it's like that. Nice uh, symbiosis of different spices. Very a uh, little bit heavier on the cumin, on the cumin, cinnamon, and and mint. Again, like we, we tend to have a little uh, sweet tooth in Morocco. Like people like because the the, the 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 cuisine got built in a way where like most of it got sophisticated in in, in during the, the dynasties. So it was like mostly built in palaces. And it became like a ceremonial uh, cuisine where it's like very heavy on, on food that is meant for ceremonies. for, for Expensive know. food. Yeah, yeah exactly. Expensive. Yeah. It, it's like at the time, you know, honey was prized, saffron, ginger, cinnamon. So it kind of inherited that kind of stuff. And most Moroccans appreciate, you know, again, like we don't eat sweet stuff every day. Right. Which is, again, another stereotype that with our brand we're trying to break, which is like Moroccan food is sweet. But when you go to, unfortunately, some Moroccan restaurant, they give you, like, food that we eat once a year, like the pastilla. Like the pastilla. Yeah. Yeah. We don't eat that every day. Yeah. You know, eat it, like, once a year. I haven't eaten it, like, in four years because mm-hmm. I haven't been to a wedding <laughs> or, like, a, a, a birthday in Morocco. So we're also trying to, like, uh, 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 kind of uh, erase those stereotypes, but also st- because this is a new cuisine, it's very important for us that we have the, the, the good narrative from the beginning. You know, like, we don't want to start mixing things, like, you know, like the pineapple pizza in the, you know, like sometimes I look at like Italian food, like 20 years ago, people wanted like pineapple or wanted spaghetti scampi or something. But today, you know, most people are able to appreciate like spaghetti with uh, like olio and aglio. Yeah. You know, right. Yeah. And we want to make sure like the same thing happened with this cuisine, like the narrative is good and then you can get creative later, but we don't want right. the narrative from the beginning to be this crazy mix of like mayo and this I've had, and, that I've had, and that I've had some very interesting you talk, talking about sweets some very interesting sweet desserts um, in Morocco and mostly cookies dates oranges yeah. I mean they mix the whole thing together I mean yes it has a, definitely a sweet inclination but really delicious and uses of rose water and orange water yeah. and different things like this that you don't find here every day if it's used correctly it's really delicious 
It was mostly about the, the internet. Some, I've seen some things that I'm like, oh my God, I saw like a shakshuka with lentils and curry. <laughs> and it was just this guy. Like, yeah. let's, let's, let's show people Talk what about it that is. for a second. Yeah, shakshuka That's is such a heads. great dish. It's yeah. in trivia. Don't do it right now. Okay. Do you think he's not going to know? <laughs> I want him to win. The shakshuka. Oh. <laughs> Last time I was in a Moroccan restaurant, I was right up here at 2nd and Bell. Marrakesh, I think it was? Yes. Or, yes. or maybe it was the one up on 85th at the time. But I sat in one of those kind of stool chair yeah. kind of things literally i wasn't even paying attention and i fell over backwards right in oh. the middle of the restaurant <laughs> and that and that, that's another thing we want to fix we want to tell people that when we eat we have forks and spoons and knives <laughs> we don't have okay. belly dancers around and we yeah. don't sit on poops we sit on tables <laughs> well we can keep the dancers that's yeah, not sure. exactly a bad idea on, on parties on parties yeah i mean <laughs> exactly Uh, we're talking with uh, Mehdi Bujrada from the Villa Gerada line. And Pamela, if you would take a picture of this gift box. Uh, so be beautiful. Awesome. We're going to offer a special price, a discount right here at the hot stove. We'll bring a few in so that our listeners, uh, if they come to a class or want to drop by, they can get one of them. A box with all of your products. I think, olives, I think, preserved yeah. lemons, tahini, harissa, chermoula, rasahanut, uh, and your kefti spice. So... So I've bought that box before for me. Uh-huh. And, for you, um, it's a gift box. You're supposed to give it to me. <laughs> well, I give it to myself because I like to give presents to myself. And those are the best presents because I know I'm going to get them for sure. I know. And, but this is actually the, the size of everything that's in here is actually perfect size because it basically finishes everything all at once at the same time. <laughs> right, exactly. All right, are you going to stay with us for some trivia? Yeah, yes. I'd love to. Okay. okay. We always like fresh meat on this show. <laughs> Easy enough. Somebody who hasn't uh, done, done this, this, this I think, I think puzzle uh, Pam before. Is favoriting When we come it. back, it's trivia time on the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. All right, we're back. It's time for Food for Thought. Tasty trivia. Mehdi Bujrada is here continuing our conversation about his uh, spices, Villa Gerada. We forgot to mention in the last segment how people... Yes can find your spice and where what yes, grocery so store you can you can support all the local stores uh, De Laurenti uh, Sugar Peel Big John PFIs and, and few I think some net markets but you can also buy them directly from us at villagerada.com uh, starting the, when the pandemic started you know to keep our employees on the clock we started delivering ourselves to, to see our oh. addresses so whenever we can it's next day in, in our own vehicles so it's Villa that's Gerada classy. that's V-I-L-L-A Capital J E R A D A, VioGerardo.com. Yes. Very exciting. Move on with trivia. All right, so, let's uh, do it. Pamela, tell people how to play the game and what is our winner going to get? There's five questions related to today's show each, uh, for each participant. And um, the, our winner is Linda DeVries because she really loves your hairdo today. Uh, <laughs> More than me. Even, even. And uh, it breaks my heart, but I'm going to let her have a jar of the preserved lemons from Medi. It breaks your heart because you were going to take it. I was going to take it, but she deserves it. I'll give you mine, husband. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we usually start with Terry. Medi, you'll go second. All right. And Tom finishes up. Terry? Yes. (laughs) All right, number one. Grapefruits are not a naturally evolved fruit. Instead, it is a hybrid originating yes. in... It's true. <laughs> true. I from what? Asia, it moves from Asia to... Actually, it didn't... It, you read not, the whole article. Yes, it's not from Asia. It's actually from Barbados. Barbados. Okay. 
A and hybrid of what is what I, the question was. Of uh, sweet tender. orange and pomelo. Thank you. Okay. Orange True. One for you. Yep. Number two. It is estimated that last year Americans ate how many tacos? Do you have any uh, numbers to give me? Uh, one million, two and a half million, or four billion? Four million. Four billion. Four billion. billion. I'm going four millions. Four million. It was four billion. Billions. Billions. That's what I said. No, no, no. She tried to give it to you and you refused it, so you lose that. No, no. I I repeated what she said. Is Aleppo a variety of fish? Pepper. Or (laughs) the hottest hottest pepper. It's really hot. Yes. Um, Name an important ingredient in harissa. Uh, Aleppo peppers. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, coriander. That's uh, a big ingredient. Yeah. Uh, or the, the base ingredient, too. Well, the, the pepper. It's pepper, pepper, obviously. Right. Peppers is a number one, but... Uh, Should we give that one to her? You said to name... <laughs> no. Uh, I know, I said, imp- sort of I said important. So. Well, many I think, yeah, I think he... G- well, Medi, pepper- should we give it to him? Sure, I mean, yeah. yeah, why not? But Coriander, he's not like to an go uncle back. to me. He's already <laughs> told us. Number <laughs> five, bring it home. What is the French word for rabbit? <laughs> I even know that one. <laughs> lapin. L-A-P-I-N, not lapin, how many, but lapin. How many Actually, did you get right? Five. No, 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 no. But you can, can, can't you also uh, call it gibier? It's part of the gibier, no? It's part of the gibier? gibier family, but yeah, yeah. it's a... Uh, Lapin. Yeah, the lapin. Lapin. Okay. Maddie's turn. Maddie. This is true or false, please. Due to the way they are grown and the thickness of the stems of grapefruits are always hand-picked no matter where they are grown. Is this true or false? False. True. Number two. According to the Mexican tradition, when should tacos be eaten? Breakfast, lunch, or dinner? Uh, breakfast. Dinner. Dinner? <laughs> Would you have said lunch? Yeah, I would have said All lunch, right. too. Number three, what is shashuka? <laughs> shashuka, it's a, uh, uh, it's a tricky one because shashuka and takchuka can either be the, the, the base, which is the pepper and tomato and onion salad with spices, or it can also be the shashuka, which is that with eggs on top of it. Perfect. Yes. Both answers. We love it all. Number four, please describe what is duka. Duka is an Egyptian uh, blend that is composed of a type of nut, either a peanut or a, a hazelnut, and then with some spices, depending on the, um, on ding, the region. Ding, ding. Yes, on the region. correct, oh. correct. Uh, the, what I was reading uh, said a hazelnut is popular. Yeah. I didn't know peanuts as well. I think but for, you know, yeah, but it's regional. Like bu- budget. Yeah. Budget. <laughs> <laughs> budget. Got budget. That's true. Yeah. And number five, what is zatar? Zatar. So zatar, the, the basic zatar is is uh, the Syrian uh, uh, type of thyme. So there's zatar, mm. and then zatar is also the spice blend ah. that has zatar and sesame seeds and sumac and then some variations you know it, like for example in Jordan they add something else in Palestine Israel, I'd give them two else. points for that two points yeah, <laughs> both, both times alright two points for that four out of five yay <laughs> alright Mr. Douglas four is a number to beat Tom okay have you ever seen the warning on medicine that says don't take with grapefruit and why is that 
Uh, I haven't seen it on mine. It's on my mother's medicine, and it's got something to do with her heart medicine. I don't know what it is. It's because an enzyme that grows in the intestines, which helps the body consume medication, um, is inhibited by grapefruits, which renders medications useless. So I was 100% correct. <laughs> Would we give that to him? Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he had an idea, not the he whole idea. idea. Half a point. Which of these ingredients does not belong in a carne asada street taco? Lime, cheese, or beans? Uh, I would say um, carne asada. I would say beans. No cheese. No cheese. It's cheese. Yeah, well, I was going to say all three, actually. but um, <laughs> Number three. How will you use Medi's chermula? How would I use it? Yeah. Uh, I would use it on anything. But I loved his idea with the mussels, clams, where you stir it into a nice broth. Um, last night I used it on roast, um, on fried squid with charmula. Mm-hmm. Uh, at my class last night here at the hot stove. Uh, all, all sorts of places. Please describe Urfa Biba, Bieber. He's is it Justin's brother? He's a Canadian singer, and uh, he is certainly very popular, and he's married to Haley Baldwin. Okay. Uh, salty, spicy, deep maroon Turkish chili. So there. How do you spell the first name? Urfa. E-R-S-A. U-R-F-A. U-R-F-A. You have one in your product line? Yeah, we do, yeah. So, I mean, like, the, the non-romantic, non-sexy term is isot. 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 But because it comes from Urfa, it's, the, it's a... The iso pepper. Yeah. yeah. From the earth. Isn't that exactly pepper. what I said? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, number five, when do you like to eat tahini? Me? I like to eat it at your house because it's in everything over there. But mostly I like it um, when I'm making hummus. <laughs> Or yes. Baba Ganoush. Your, your beloved hummus. Yeah. Uh, Terry, I think you're the winner today. Wow. <laughs> and no, we're even. Yeah, we're oh, even. That means okay. I have to not only pay for the present, but ship it, too. Yep. <laughs> really, really fun. Thanks, yeah. you guys. Uh, that trivia is brought to you by Rub with Love, tasty spice rubs that you can make in your own kitchen. If you want to be part of our show, you can join our community on Facebook Live at Hot Stove Society Radio Show. You can also buy tickets to attend our show. We didn't have a live audience this week, but we will in the future. You're listening to us on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM. The show is produced by Pamela Hinckley and Sean McFadden. Our editor in the studio is Sean Don't Call Me Del Torre. Also, remember, if you miss any episode of our Hot Stove Society show on Cairo, you can listen via podcast. Just subscribe with your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening and have a fabulous weekend.